And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello everybody and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 289. We're coming at you as always from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. We're a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network and the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. So if you're listening to this, it means that I somehow got behind. Um, Yeah, so this is actually a fill-in episode. It was recorded probably several weeks uh, could be even months before it actually uh, aired. Um, and it is a fill-in because I obviously had something come on and uh, I have been holding this episode in reserve for a time when I actually need it. So uh, this week we are going to be covering kind of a one-off uh, episode here um, because we're going to be covering the first part of a four-part miniseries. Now, this has nothing to do with Marvel's Thor. We're going to be covering an image comic series called Valhalla Mad. Now, we're not going to be covering the whole series. We're only going to be covering the first issue. And uh, the reason I mention this is because this uh, comic seems to be a pastiche of kind of the old Thor comics, you know, the, the, the Lee Kirby sort of setup where you've got Thor and his companions, and in this case, sort of, sort of thinly veiled knockoffs of the Warriors 3. If you're interested in, in getting this, you can probably find this collected at uh, your local comic store if you look hard enough. Uh, but we're just going to cover the first issue. Now, the first issue uh, cost $3.50, and the uh, creators, it says right on the cover, Joe Casey and Paul Mayberry. And the cover is designed to look like a old photo album. Uh, so it has like a, a leather-type cover, a lot of foxing around the edges. It's designed to look like an old book. Kind of a cool idea, and, they, and it's fairly well uh, realized here. It actually does like a, look like a beat-up old book. And in the center, there's like a cutout, like some of the old photo albums that have. And they very cleverly hid the uh, image phallic symbol uh, in the... Um, in the, <laughs> in the border around the photo. But the photo shows a, uh, a Thor-looking dude and uh, probably the closest I could come is calling him a Volstagg-looking dude, except he doesn't have a big beard. And then we have a superhero-costumed-looking guy who I can't tell. You know, just, just offhand, I say he reminds me a little bit of a cross between Hogan and Balder. So I have no idea who these characters are. So let's open up to the splash page. Not really a splash page, where we have a fronts piece. Ooh, this is fancy. Joe Casey was the writer. Paul Mabry was the artist and colorist. Russ Wooten was the letterer. Sonia Harris was the graphic designer. Ricky Valenzuela, who did the flats, whatever that means. This was published by Image Comics in Berkeley, California. This is book one. Let there be revelry. And uh, this was actually issued um, in May of 2015. I've been holding on to it for a while, uh, waiting for just such a, an occasion of having to use the fill-in episode. The uh, splash page brings us to planet Earth right now. And we see the Earth, and there's a crudely drawn lightning bolt uh, that this is a, uh, a running 
<laughs> observation, I think, um, about crudely drawn things. Uh, crudely drawn lightning bolt uh, racing towards the earth and lightning uh, smashing down in the middle of the street because where does Thor like to land when he comes to earth? In the middle of the street. Everybody take a drink. And uh, we have these people who apparently are traveling by lightning bolt and they are landing in the middle of the street. Uh, we hear a voice uh, coming coming from the, uh, the the kind of a smoke cloud here. Fellow travelers, dost thou feel solid ground beneath thy feet? Indeed I do, noble warrior, which means only one thing. We have arrived at our grand destination. Tis been a many a moon since the glorious Knox hath touched down upon this venerable life rock. Mine ears doth welcome the clank and clatter of this teeming berg. Tis not quite the metropolis we last visited, lo, so long ago. Nevertheless, let the great indulgence begin. And we get a full-page uh, shot here of our uh, heroes. We have the great Knox, who is a um, basically is a Thor ripoff. Uh, his costume doesn't look very Thor-like, but, but he's got a big hammer, uh, which is kind of shaped like some sort of animal's head. Um, and he is um, uh, he's dressed in some kind of armor. His legs are clad in what I can only describe as uh, um, like rocket shell casings or something. I'm not really sure what they are. He's got, got uh, like metallic looking um, arms. Uh, there's this kind of a, a, I guess it looks like a cactus pattern on, on his arms kind of going all the way up. Uh, to his left, there is the uh, the guy who I said kind of reminded me of a mix between Hogan and Balder, and he is carrying some kind of a staff with kind of a little fins on it, like like wings. He's got like a um, a superhero mask, the ones that you know, like like uh, the Kid Flash used to wear with the head uh, with the hair showing through the top, and he's got a uh, mo cut like uh, Mo from the Three Stooges, except it's flat on top like Frankenstein. It's, a, it's, it's obviously that the artwork is, is a bit stylized, and we'll talk about that at the end. And to his right, there is a heavy set dude with red hair. Uh, doesn't have a big beard, but he has a mustache and a tiny little goatee. Um, he's got some sort of machinery hands. Um, so I'm not really sure what that is to um, to us. Uh, the, uh, the Hogan guy says... I, Knox, Greghorn, the Battlebjorn, echoes thy hearty sentiments. This shall prove to be the most bountiful of celebrations. Verily, the majestic halls of Viking stand somber and silent on this day, cousins. The festivities hath gone mobile. Let us be known that Jago the Irritator brings forth his many appetites. Once again, the time hath come to drink deep of all this world has to offer. And they're standing in the middle of the street and looking around. By the all spirits, I almost didn't recognize the immediate surroundings, says Knox. This is our normal touchdown point, is it not? It's called gentrification, Knox. I warned you about such a social phenomenon, says um, Jago. Steady, brethren. It would seem as our arrival is perfectly timed. And he points up in the sky and there is an airplane on fire falling out of the sky and there's a kind of a generic cityscape and the airplane is falling. Greg Horn says, uh, one of their mechanical air transports is sorely in need of assistance. Aye, let us make haste then, says Knox. Hath we not been heroes to the denizens here in days of yore? So let us be again. And the three of them take off flying 
Um, he's not doing the um, you know, the whirling hammer thing because, you know, copyright. Um, but he, they, they all go taking him off and flying in, into the air. And we then cut to the inside of the, um, of the airplane. And we get a couple of pilots in there and it's like controls and stuff in between them. And the pilot is saying, I don't know, Center. Think we were hit by lightning or something? What does it matter? We're going down. Get ready to hold it. She's leveling out. How the hell is this happening? Oh, my God. Captain, you're not going to believe this. And he looks out uh, the, the window. And apparently the plane has been rescued by Knox and friends. Knox says, uh, yet another act of supreme heroism, courtesy of Viking's finest. Thou speakest serious truth, O glorious one, says Greg Horn. How lucky these mortals are for us to arrive at such a desperate hour. And we have the other guy, Jago, who has grabbed onto a, uh, the engine and, and is on fire. <laughs> and uh, he's coughing and he says, "'Tis not unlike the fire beasties we trounced in the Metrogard realm, eh, Greg Horn?' Let us not revel further, says Knox. Mine eyes have spied an ideal landing area for this winged chariot. Descend upon these snowy plains of Central Park, fellow warriors. And they um, land the plane there in the snow and just kind of set the plane down there. And uh, yeah, so sounds inconvenient, but anyway. Uh, people are getting off the plane, sliding down. And uh, Knox says, another triumph, compatriots. The mortals disembark their wounded bird without personal injury. Methinks tis a fitting kick-off to the impending gala of imbibements, says Greghorn. Agreed, says Jago. Mine appetite hath increased tenfold. Yeah, because, yeah, it's obviously sort of Volstagg. But behold, says Knox, a rapturous rescue has attracted the attention of a local town crier. And they look motivated, to say the least. And so there's a TV reporter and um, her camera person, and they come to uh, approach these guys, and um, she's filming. And uh, she says, Jesus, those outfits. Karen Parker for Eyewitness News. You just saved a crippled commercial airliner. Who are you? How do you identify yourselves? Do you speak English? And um, Jago steps forward, and we see him on the uh, monitor of the uh, TV camera. We speaketh many languages, fair maiden. Let these words ring out. We hath come to partake in the legendary Gluttonalia, and our first stop is the fabled tavern Riley's. And um, we then shift scenes to Riley's. Uh, apparently, uh, they've been gone a long time, but Riley's is still there. They uh, are, are, I guess they're going to have beverages, but they're still outdoors, and it's snowing, and there's a lot of people crowding outside this bar. And uh, Greg Horn says, uh, Whilst I would never scold you, Jago, mayhap you should not have announced our destination so publicly. Nonsense. When it comes to the holy tenants of Gluttonalia, all are welcome. Let the mortal masses join in. They will no doubt provide additional merriment. Nay, lest we ever tread lightly on this world, cousin, says Greg Horn. Hast thou forgotten how skittish mortals can be around warriors such as we? Bah! We are nothing if not the most welcome here. Witness, they arrive in droves to honor our arrival. And uh, some cops show up and they're uh, surrounding them, kind of, and they're like, Okay, okay, what the hell's going on here? Halloween was back in October, jackass, and this is turning into a public disturbance. And uh, Knox says, Verily, whilst I recognize your uniform as proper authoritative dress, 
Hey, I'll do the talking here, He-Man, for that stunt with the plane. And the voice comes from beyond. Hold it, Jackson. Enough with the hard-ass attitude, all right? You're too young to remember, but some of us are actually glad to see these guys. And we got an old um, old cop here, and he's bald and you know, a little bit heavy set, and he's obviously the, um, you know, the steadfast of the uh, police department. And Knox recognizes him. He's like, Houlihan, you old bilge beast. Thou hast gained some girth whilst we have been absent from thy realm, and thy hairline. And he's like, huh, well, thanks for noticing, Knox. Listen up. All you humps that showed up thinking you was going to be slapping bracelets on these guys are sadly mistaken. Most of you were too young to know this, but take my word for it. Knox and his crew were the real deal. Officer Houlihan was ever an ally during our last adventures here. Tis good to see a friendly face, eh, cousins? Indeed, but let us alight to the bar. Mine thirst must be quenched, says Jago. Thou speakest of friendly faces, Knox. I fear his be not one of them. And um, they're talking about the bartender, and they see some other people around the bar too, but the bartender, and um, it's a young guy with uh, big hair, and he says, uh, uh, yeah, I'm Albert Riley. George Riley, the previous owner of this place, was my grandfather. So, you know, maybe you guys want to drink somewhere else, I mean, since... Nonsense! Thy grandfather was a most hearty host, says Knox. Many a night we would partake of his ingenious mead. I hath no doubt he left suitable instructions for our eventual return to this hallowed hall. Well, maybe, but don't you think... Take heed, youngling. We have traveled great distances to kick off the gluttonalia here. So take it this opportunity to continue thy father's good works, or face the inglorious wrath of Jago the Irritator. And uh, some guy, kind of weedy, nerdy-looking guy, uh, comes out from the back, and um, he's carrying a big chest, a big wooden and metal chest in his arms, and he's like, Found these in the back, Al. <laughs> I took a peek inside. Everything you need to know is in here. And he gives it to uh, the, the uh, owner, and the, he's like, This is Papa's handwriting, all right. This has been properly fermented. Just add the listed amounts of honey, yeast, and spotted newt's tail. Huh, okay, let's do what he says. So he starts making this magical brew or whatever, and um, Jago says, "'Twill be a righteous moment to touch my lips to this flagon once again, like an old friend.'" "'Tis time for a toast, then,' says Knox, and we get another full page here of the three of them toasting, and they've got these big mugs that are sort of Kirby-esque sort of mugs, and they've got the foam coming out of the top, which is obviously magical because it's like, it's like yellow, and it has red stars in it, so I guess that's the idea that the, the magical foam is going to uh, have all kinds of stars and stuff on it. And uh, they're raising their tankards high and clinking them together. And, of course, Knox, uh, being the, uh, the lead of the book, needs to make speech. Stand ye fast and loft thy spirits high, from the spiral seas of Oglath to the golden cliffs of Asmuth. Mine immortal eyes have seen much beauty in my time, but ne'er hath mine eyes gazed upon such an endless wonder at a single world until I traveled here to earth. The battles fought here, the triumphs we hath enjoyed, now the realm of mortal man serves a new purpose. 
Indeed, says Greghorn. Even gods must take it the rare precious moment to let loose with all of our passions. Aye, this be the very purpose of Glutonalia, to break out of our godly responsibilities and drink deep from the fount of life itself. We are brothers in arms and brothers in celebration, so have at thee with all the merriment and indulgence thou canst muster. And they're drinking the uh, stuff which does, it, it looks like there's like cloth on top of these things. It doesn't look like something you could actually drink. Uh, but we see them drinking and um, and uh, Jago says, In the name of Viken we must imbibe. When the word of these exploits travels back to the holiest of realms, the legend shall sound loudly how we dared to take it to the highest plateau. "'Tis an art form of its own to embrace such mighty hedonism," says Knox. "'I'll gladly drink to that, O glorious one,' says Greghorn. And there's uh, a bunch of people coming around and talking to them, and uh, the, one of the guys is saying, "'You guys, I think you, one of my great uncles, told me about you. "'But the things he said, I thought he was just senile or something.' "'Ha!' says Knox. "'Safe to say you're not from around here, are you?' says one of the other guys. "'Such an understatement!' Thou hast no idea, young squire, where we hail from, thou hast not the perceptions to even conceive even an iota of its grandeur. And Anak says, Forgive Jago's bluster, mortals. He lives for the glutonalia, perhaps to a fault. But allow me to enlighten you whilst I attempt to describe what is mayhap indescribable. For now, clear your minds of anything that earthly science has proven— for there exists an immortal realm beyond all imagination. Tis a realm of immortal magic, a place where gods are spawned. It has a name revered throughout all of the cosmic reality. A place known only as Viking. And we see a, uh, an image here of um, kind of a, a big magical world, kind of a swirly world. And there are like stars all over the surface of the planet and they're all shining off a, a light beam into space. So it's kind of a pretty uh, image here. Whilst life and existence careen through the known dimensions of consciousness, Viking holds steady beyond such mortal constraints. Its origin is unknown, but tis been the cradle of godhood for all eternity. Tis where beings such as we were born and bred. Tis the wellspring of all things from which we leap headlong into the surrounding realms, aided by multiple slipstreams which emanate naturally from deep within Viking's seething core. One such slipstream is the pathway that leads directly to Earth, but there are others which lead to realities undreamt of. And we get a uh, kind of a, just a picture here of, of Jago. And um, oh, I didn't notice he had little claws on his, he's like two claws on his feet, and that's, that's like his toes. Um, and his legs are really weird. We could talk about that at the end, maybe. And he's simultaneously drinking and talking here. Many times hath we leapt into the fray via slipstream travel. Many wars have been fought and won thanks to our godly intervention. Verily, it is our sacred duty to bring peace where there be none, even if it is by the edge of our blades. The blunt force of our weaponry, the will to combat evil, will ever be ours. And we see a um, an image of them fighting sort of aliens. And uh, we see that one of uh, Jago's hands kind of comes out like a Inspector Gadget. So it's got like a big extension thing on it and it shoots out. Um, so that's, that's I guess that's something he can do. And uh, people all around are, um, are commenting on it as though they're in a Stan Lee comic. Holy geez, sounds intense. 
Sounds friggin' weird is what it sounds like. So you guys really been here before? You're damn right they have, and they were a pain in the ass then. It was a while ago, but I got a mind like a steel trap. Whenever they show up, ain't nothing but pain and chaos. And that's this old guy's um, uh, African-American or perhaps Indian. It's hard to tell. He's, he's kind of racially indistinct, but he's got brown skin. Knox comes up to him and he says, Rest assured, Elder, our visitor here is one of peace and revelry, the gluttonalia. Hey, you can take your fancy words and shove them up your ass. I remember the damned you all did. Fie upon you, aged mortal. Thy wicked attitude shall not spoil my celebration, says Jago. Course it wouldn't, you bastards have never taken us into account, have you? We don't want you here. Your opinion hath been noted, wrinkled one, says Knox. Mayhap we not disturb you further, but take heart. Soon we shall journey on to our next watering hole. Not soon enough, freak. The uh, the bartender comes and uh, is kind of escorting the uh, the guy around, and we found out it find out his name is Mister Hooper. <laughs> so uh, Greg Horn is saying, uh, "Alas, another disgruntled mortal." Methinks the wisdom of our choice of location shall be questioned at every turn. Still remember all the property damage we hear him saying, and the the bartender's like, "Just come back tomorrow, Mister Hooper. I'm sure it'll all be normal then." Stand ye fast, says Jago. Irritator's thirst much ever be addressed. Yes, it, it actually says much ever be addressed. Another round, barkeep. And uh, Greg Horn is like, Jago's certainly living up to his reputation. Indeed, says Knox. There's always a fine line between mirth and mayhem with him. But at last the rituals of Glutonalia were laid out eons before. And uh, there's people kind of coming around and... Um, you're curious about what these guys are drinking with the starry stuff on top. And he's like, hey, what are you drinking there? Some kind of sour mash or something? Tis a mighty brew, mortal, not for the faint of gut. Oh, please, says this guy. Let me at it. And uh, Jago's like, as you wish. And the guy takes a big drink out of it. And he spits out a huge cloud of this uh, starry foam, whatever it is. And um, he says... Jesus, man, tastes like antifreeze. And uh, Jago's amused by this. He's like, whoa, tis always a treat to witness mortal hubris firsthand. Another victim of the legendary Irritator. Aye, thy prankish nature resonates throughout the cosmos, but the time has come to vacate, ye old tavern, says um, Knox. I keep wanting to call him Thor. <laughs> we take our leave of you, grandson of Riley. Thou hast done thy elders proud. Well, thanks for stopping by, I guess. And uh, they start to leave, and uh, Greg Horn is leading uh, Jago out, and uh, he's like, Wait, where art thou leading me? The Glottonalia has just begun, Jago. Tis many more establishments to visit. And the people are like, You're not really leaving, are you? Yeah, come on, stick around. The night is young. Indeed it is, says Knox. A last is a movable feast that marks our visit, but we shall remember well this encounter. And they step out and around the street, and it's snowing out. Greghorn is like, "'Twas an auspicious beginning, no doubt. Let us away on to the next." And uh, there's a couple reporters out here, and they come up and they're you know, putting microphones in their face. And excuse me, Harold Murray with Eyewitness News Seven. We're hearing it's been more than forty years since you last visited Earth. 
Any truth to that? If that is how the time hath been measured, I will gladly take thy word for it. And we get a full page here of Knox being interviewed um, and uh, talking. We can see now that his, uh, the helmet he's wearing is somewhat Thor-like, um, but it doesn't. It, instead of wings, it has these sort of lightning bolts on the top that are kind of like, like horns, like an antelope's horns. And it's got these smaller horns in the front, so it looks kind of like uh, some sort of weird car hood ornament sort of thing. Knox is saying, But know this, our kind doth exist on a level beyond measured time. Thou art a people of great potential, but we are that potential realized. We are the fulfillment of all that you hath ever dreamt about. It is true, our last visit was more than a generation ago, but our mandate is that we shall go where we are most needed. You needed our protection, and so we provided it freely and with great warrior's pride. It was a dark turn in human history, even if thou wert unaware of it at the time. But our swift intervention turned you back to the light. Now mine eyes gaze upon the magnificence thou hast built up around since we were here, monuments to mortal achievements, both great and small. And what do I feel on thy behalf? I feel hope for you and thy place in the universe. And uh, the other two are watching uh, Knox uh, pontificate a little bit, and, uh, and Jago's like, Methinks the glorious Knox is enjoying himself, cousin. His pontifications doth not often reach such fevered pitch. Alas, more ale is needed. Soon enough, I'm sure. My Viking preserve us. Uh, Knox is done with the interview, and he comes back, and he says, Riley's has served us well, fellow warriors, but if thou art ready to continue on... As in the fiercest battles, we count on you to lead the way, says Greghorn. And stand ye back, mortals. Tis now time for gods such as we to take the air once more. And they go flying off, uh, because I guess they can all fly. And Jago is saying, Aye, let the eternal wind carry us aloft. Onward to the next destination is the all-encompassing, all-reveling Glutonalia. And they're going flying over uh, New York City, and, um, yeah, some of them a little bit more gracefully than others. And um, Greg Horn says, Whatever our trajectory, let us not suffer the buster of mortals who would wish us ill. Nay, Greg Horn, never more shalt thou endure such bold effrontery. Such insolence will not be tolerated on a night such as this. Alas, it is not their fault, says Knox. They have little knowledge to the god's blood that hath been spilt protecting their realm. The burden of battle is ours alone. Thy flight path be less than steady, Irritator. Art thou certain you can? By my ever-thickening beard, Jago doth soar with style and grace in equal measure. Now hold thy tongue from further mockery. T'would be most embarrassing for me to have to discipline thee with a sound thrashing, cousin. And um, the three of them are just kind of flying over, and we see people on the street, and a lot of snow and ice because it's uh, winter time. And uh, some kids, and it's like, Holy jeez, you see that up there? Do I see it? What am I hard as seeing? And we get another uh, full-page uh, image here of the three of them flying over the snowy streets of New York. Knox is saying, Enough bickering. We are brothers in arms. We are on holiday. Let us act accordingly. Now we descend. Our next port of call stretches out below us like a muddled tapestry teeming with life. Behold, does the land known to mortals across the realm as the Bronx. Art thou serious, O glorious one? This Bronx is a backwater culture at best, says Greghorn. If Greghorn speaks the truth, 
What stage of the gluttonalia can be indulged here? Verily, there is no tavern here that I can see. Nay, tis not a mortal watering hole we visit on the snowy eve, mighty Battlebjorn. And they land on, on the, somebody's front yard. Jago saying, Hold fast! Didst thou just inform us there is to be no imbibing at this location? Have faith, irritator. Mine own reasoning is sound. So thou sayest, Knox. But why do I know sense more secretive motives beyond thy so-called reckoning? You dare doubt a glorious one. Thy nerve astounds thee, says Jago. Thou shalt back off, lest I pound thy... And Knox interrupts them. Enough, cousins. This is no time for such pointless behavior. And a, um, a voice comes from beyond, and uh, it's an old man, and uh, he's, he's wearing a bathrobe, and he's carrying a baseball bat, and uh, he's saying, What the holy hell? What do you assholes think you're doing in my backyard? can an old man get a moment's peace around here? And uh, Knox says, Sincerest apologies, sir. "'Twas not our intention to so rudely interrupt thy slumber. "'Who said I was sleeping? "'And what the hell are you wearing? "'What kind of weirdos are you?' "'Thy question shall be answered, I assure you,' says Knox. "'Who and what we are shall be duly explained.' "'What you are is trespassing. "'I should call the cops, or maybe Bellevue, goddammit.' "'Greg Horn is saying, uh, Knox. <laughs> "'Cousins, I owe thee an explanation.' This is the main reason we chose Earth for our festivities. An elderly mortal shall be joining us for the remainder of the Guatanalia. Next issue, why this guy? And, uh, yeah, and that is Valhalla Mad, number one. And uh, we actually get a little bit of a um, little upcoming in book two uh, review, not review, but a little preview there. And there's a bunch of ads for... Different comics by Joe Casey, who apparently uh, works with quite a lot of different artists. So, anyway, so uh, let's uh, talk about this after playing a uh, trailer. So, let's play a trailer. Welcome to the world of tomorrow! <laughs> the Legion of Superheroes through the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, the Baxter series. Five years later, the reboot, the three-boot, the retro-boot, the animated series. We have banded together as the Legion of Super Bloggers to cover it all. Seek us out at legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com. Why do you always have to say it that way? Haven't you ever heard of a little thing called showmanship? All right, so let's talk about this a little bit. Now, the, one of the reasons why I picked this is because this was something I think that Pete picked up at a convention or something. It was a one, you know, they're giving away the first issue with the hope that you're going to go out and, and buy their collected miniseries or whatever. Now, this issue has a lot of the problems that I have with a lot of these self-published comics. Now, I'm keeping in mind here that this is actually published by Image, Image has a reputation. I mean, they've they've produced some some real crap in the past. I mean, particularly in the '90s, but it it is interesting that you have a, a you know a comic company with with the image name. Obviously, it's been a big name in comics for some time, and they've published what really to me 
feels like a fan comic. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the story first. Um, I don't find anything particularly enthralling about this story. It's written well enough for what it is. But what it is is it's rather derivative. Um, it's It really does kind of play with the the familiar stereotypes that you would get from, you know, the Asgardian gods come to Earth to see a lot of different storylines of Thor that go here. Yeah, but the characters are themselves kind of derivative of Thor and, and you know, different other characters kind of mushed together. Um, I don't find any of these characters particularly interesting. There, you know, there's not a lot of personality. I think the uh, the one that has the most personality is Jago, and the other two just kind of sound the same. The, the voices are just kind of the same, um, and so for that reason, I think you know, the the derivativeness of it means that it's not really something that's for me, you know, it's at least story wise. Um, and the other thing that kind of takes me out of this is the artwork. Now. A lot of these independent comics have unusual art. This has a an unusual style of art to it. It is a very stylized kind of style. It's not realistic at all. And you can tell that the artist doesn't have an extensive education in, in art, in drawing things. Uh, in particular, you know, you're out on the, the streets of New York City, but you don't see any cars kind of weird that you're not seeing any cars in New York City. I mean, it does seem kind of an odd thing. Now, the one vehicle that he does draw is an airplane, and it doesn't look like any real airplane I've ever seen. It it kind of looks like a children's drawing of an airplane, or, you know, or, or perhaps the way I would draw an airplane. Um, you know, it doesn't really look like any kind of real aircraft. Um, he's better at people. One of the things he's, he's he's pretty good at is drawing faces, and he does this a lot. And he, he doesn't draw people's bodies a lot because he tends to have these crowd scenes where we just see people's faces. And I guess that's interesting. Uh, it, it's different in, in a way. But when he actually comes to anatomy and that kind of thing, th- this artist doesn't have a lot going on. So he doesn't really draw things well, and he doesn't really draw people well unless he's just kind of drawing your face. Now, you can see from the cover that, you know, he draws faces reasonably well. You know, they're not realistic. They are rather stylized. But, I mean, he's not the worst artist ever. But, frankly, I look at this and I think, this is a professional? You know, obviously, Marvel or DC would not hire this guy. You know, maybe Image is hiring it because he paid them to. I don't know. Um, But, to me, the art doesn't, really you know strike me as something i really enjoy um one of the other problems with the art is that there are no backgrounds this is a problem i've seen in a lot of indie comics you know people who just can't be bothered the only time we have any background features in this book are where it's required by the story so when you're in the bar you have to establish it's a bar so there are bottles behind the bar you know and they're the backgrounds are of the most crude type you can possibly imagine um you know i can imagine that maybe a better artist or more accomplished artist maybe would be able to take this this kind of derivative story and make it visually interesting the other issue i have with with the art is that 
the characters aren't particularly visually interesting. Um, obviously, Nox is supposed to be Thor. His costume is not exactly like Thor, but it's close enough that you know who he's supposed to be. The character of Jago is not really Volstagg. I mean, he has some of Volstagg's characteristics, but he also has the sort of cyborg hands and uh, clawed feet, like animal feet, um, that would set him apart from a character like Volstagg. I, I suppose if you were to read the entire series, uh, then you maybe learn a little bit more about the character. And the uh, character of, of Greg Horn is just kind of a generic a superhero type character um, and not much visually interesting going on. So uh story's kind of bleh, you know, I mean, it's just kind of generic and the art is to my eye, not pleasant. Um, and it's very limited in what it does. But, um, you know, lest, lest you think that I'm really kind of taking the piss on, I mean, I am kind of taking the piss, but, but these guys got this published. I mean, that's more than I've ever done. Um, but you know, as as a uh, a comic that they expect you to pay three dollars and fifty cents for, I don't think it's really worth my money. Now, this is the only issue of this that we're going to cover. It's the only issue that I have, um, and uh, you know, I, I'm not planning on covering uh, the rest of it. But if enough people say that they want to hear it, and by enough people, I I mean more than two or three. Um, so say maybe five or six people say they want to do it then I will seek out the other three issues of this and I'll cover it on the show. But uh, by and large, it's just kind of uninteresting. And there, there's not too many crimes to me in comics that are worse than the sin of being boring and dull and pedestrian. And that's kind of where this this puts me. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks for listening to our fill-in show. Uh, we may have another fill-in show someday. Who knows? I mean, this is, like I said, it's being recorded at a time when uh, I'm kind of caught up and I'm just trying to uh, get something in place. If you're hearing it now, it means that uh, I got busy. Uh, something with work or something with the new place that I, that I just uh, bought recently or moving or whatever. Yeah, so that, that's kind of what that means. Anyhow, thanks very much for listening. We really appreciate it. And of course, you can email the show. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. Tell us what you thought of Valhalla Mad and uh, whether you think we should continue it. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to a snowy New York City. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>